Privacy. I'm Kate Wolf, and today I have incredible guest Brianna D is here. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. And I just want to say, so Brianna has an incredible podcast called Shadow Light, and I am obsessed with that name. And we'll get all into that in a sec. But Brianna, what else do you do? I know you have this awesome podcast, but if you could just kind of talk about all the hats you wear. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm still, I'm, I'm actually in a big transition period in my life and I'm kind of trying to figure out what I do or what I want to do rather, what's next. Um, but a year ago I quit a legal job. So I went to law school wanting to work in mental health advocacy and criminal justice reform. And um, really the motivation there was I wanted to, I mean, it was partially like a savior complex, kind of like help help people with mental health issues. I grew up with a mom who had, um, I don't even want to say she had a mental illness, but she had a lot of, um, I mean, she, she did. She had a lot of manifestations of mental illness. And I think it's deeper than that, but we won't get there right now. Um, and so, yeah, I really wanted to go work in advocating for people who were struggling and who were vulnerable populations. And same with the criminal justice system. It targets a lot of really vulnerable populations. And I found myself in the system about six months out of law school working for a judge and kind of just questioning what I was doing and why I wanted to do it and realizing that I didn't want to work from the inside out. Like working in the system, A, was stressful AF. For me, am I allowed to curse? I'm like, I don't yes. know if I'm okay. I'm like, <laughs> I panicked. It was stressful as fuck. <laughs> um, because obviously the workload, but for me, I had such a strong why that I was able to manage the workload and, and to justify the stress of the life. But once I got to a point where I was, I had been kind of working in courts enough that I saw just the system on repeat and repeat and repeat and just such slow growth and change. I just, I don't even know if I could put words to it at that point, but I was like, this is not going to work. This is not where I'm going to make the change that I want to make. So quit my job. And from there, it's been a wild ride. Um, I got certified in to do neurolinguistic programming and like life coaching and hypnotherapy. So I started taking clients in that. I had also been for the past like 10 years, I've done side, side hustle, freelance work, um, with copywriting. So I did some like branding, marketing, copywriting. Um, I started working with a branding agency, got really into like the visual design. I love being creative. So I was loving learning about all of that part of business. And I also have, you know, in the back background experience in business. So I started working with people in business and I found myself this year, basically just wearing a bunch of different hats for a couple different entrepreneurs and startups that I was, that were my clients basically through my like life and business coaching, we'll call it, or consulting. Um, and just doing kind of whatever they needed done. So it started out as strategy, social strategy, content marketing, copywriting, and it just evolved into this like yeah, I'll be a right-hand man. Um, and it was beautiful. Oh my God, I learned so much and I've grown so much and it's only been a year, but I already kind of in December, I found myself starting to close off a few client relationships and like business. I just, I kind of put everything on mute because I just was feeling really disconnected from it all. And for the past month, I've been still doing a little bit of side work, but really just digging in deep and trying to figure out where I want to go with this and what I want to do and whether I want to keep working with clients or whether I want to go work. I don't know, but I also have my podcast and I'm obsessed with podcasting and that's a part of my work too. So I, it's scary and weird to say that I have no freaking clue, but I have no freaking clue right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I love, and I'm seeing this with a lot of people that are on this spiritual healing path mm-hmm. is we all have such a unique vibration and I just love how you're kind of in this place where you obviously have so many talents, so many interests, and they're all kind of swirling and pinging up and you're figuring it out like, okay, what do exactly do I want to do? And it's right. so multifaceted. And I think that's a lot of us who are kind of like coming more and more into our true nature. It's like, okay, well I have this talent and ability and then I have this other thing. And like, 
we're not exactly sure how it's all going to come together mm-hmm. or coming together. And yet having this faith, like, okay, I'm figuring this out. Yes. Um, but there's so much freedom in everything you're describing too, because like I said, you have obviously all these different skills and they're kind of right now all clicking into place. Mm-hmm. So you eventually will be, and, and, and these things can constantly shift throughout our lives where you can say, okay, this is what I want to do. And then two years later, you're like, nope, I'm going in this direction. Yeah. But I yeah. love how it's all working together. Yeah. And it's weird. It's weird as a person, like I'm super neurotic type A, um, a lot of things that I'm, or I should change the, not should. Okay. Whoa. Catching myself in a lot of language shifts here. I'm like, this is a lot of the work I do with clients too, is literally the linguistics, the language you use and how it affects your belief system and your life. Um, what I am moving towards is being less controlling and planned and I mean, controlling is really the word, but at the same time, that was my survival mechanism growing up. So I grew up with a lot of chaos and, um, abuse and addiction and all of the just chaos that comes with having young, well-intended, but totally off their rockers parents. (laughs) Um, and Right now, it's really a phase of life. Like this year has been a huge leap of faith and terrifying and learning to just more so go with the flow and let things unfold and see what comes versus even a year ago being in a place where it's like, okay, then I'm going to meet this goal, then I'm going to get that goal, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that. Like I spent so long working to this ultimate goal of finishing law school and I finished you know, with a 4.0 and I finished with, I got the job that I wanted and I had had a lot of different, I was running a nonprofit during law school and there was a lot of different external successes that I had had that I'd worked so hard for that left me really empty feeling, not because they weren't important for where I was at that time, because they were, they were my development, they were the path, but they just weren't, they were only part of the path. Like they were the vehicles to steering me to being like, fuck all of this and deciding which way I want to go. And I still get really torn. I still have moments where I'm like, maybe I do want to go work in, because I loved working in domestic violence. I worked in mental institutions and prisons and there was so much honesty and necessity in those places and in the work we did there. And it was I mean, for me, the difficult part wasn't the human component and working with, you know, I'm doing air quotes, those type of people, which a lot of people are like, oh, that's so awful to be with those kinds of people or that's such a negative environment. And I'm like, that part wasn't hard for me. The hard part was the paperwork and the system, like having to tell somebody that they, their abuser wasn't going to be held accountable because of a, a procedural deviation. It's like, there just were so many things that I knew going into would be difficult and I knew going into, I might not want to do, but, um, they really just pounded home for my personal constitution and for who I am and what I believe in, I wouldn't work well in. And the last thing I have to say about that is I'm so grateful that there are people who have the constitution and the ability to work in those systems because there's so much work that needs to be done. And I do in a lot of ways wish that I could, or that I, you know, had more of a, constitution to do it I just don't (laughs) not at this time maybe in the future who knows I don't know anything well it's clearly still a passion of yours and I love that once again with with your podcast name shadow light Mm -hmm. you know this path isn't about not getting quote-unquote dirty whatever that I don't mean that you know what I mean it's like collectively we often try to almost erase people in prisons or, Mm. and not just in prisons. It's like, we like to create a different reality to, to feel safe than what actually exists. So I think it's incredible that whether you're actually in there or not, it's, it's clearly a passion of yours. Um, not just the law part, but the humanity part of people who've either been wronged. Well, yeah, wronged by the system in one way or the other guilty or not, you know, we are, collectively swimming in a lot of these, um, wounds. So even people Mm -hmm. who have had to go to behaviors like whether it's murder, um, 
rape, selling drugs, whatever, mm-hmm. we've all collectively created this. So you clearly are very attached to that process, whether you're actually in there or not. I think it's going to be a part of your work in one way yes. or the other. And that's so, a big that's struggle. Remarkable. Yeah, that's a big struggle in what I'm doing now is I absolutely do love the work that I've done with one-on-one clients. And I love, I love business. I think it's so fascinating. I love, I do love systems and organization from like the 30,000 feet view of looking down and seeing how the puzzle pieces fit. But then I don't want to be a cog in how they continue to work. So it's like, I love all those parts. Um, but yeah, the exactly what you said, my why for going to law school was the human advocacy and the human component. And I really do believe that everybody is doing the best that they can with what they have when they have it. It doesn't mean that's always appropriate or acceptable or that, you know, they shouldn't have repercussions or um, maybe, you know, there are like the one to two percent of the population that there are people that are just born, you know, I don't know what I want to call it because it's they there's people that are labeled sociopaths or that they're just not born to fit in this model in the system and they might have more of that deviant part of them. But I do believe that a lot of people's deviance comes from something else, something greater. And I don't think a lot of people see that. And this is a huge sticking point that I have in the wellness industry that we have that's so like goop centric you know, like think positive things, just be the light, love and light and peace and just be good and don't talk about, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, but then be vulnerable and share your vulnerable side. Like I I kind of feel like these days too, ever since Brene Brown's work really blew up, there's this like competition for vulnerability. Like how, how vulnerable can you get? Like what kind of bad things or like painful things can you share on the internet? And I totally participate in the internet vulnerability sharing. So I'm not knocking it because I think it's so, for me, that was a really powerful changer and mover in my life was being able to start opening up about my own experiences and what I had been through. Um, And that was a big healing point for me because I had hid who I was for so long out of fear of being seen for those parts of me. So there is power in having this vehicle, which is the internet to share good, bad, ugly, whatever. But yeah, there just feels still like there's just this really surface level approach to health and wellness as being like becoming a better person and being brighter and lighter. And um, there's a duality to it. Like that's the shadow light to me. It's there is both like I want to be a freaking bright, loving, happy beautiful soul. But I just also know it's not going to be that way in every moment. And I also know that part of being that light is being in that dark and holding myself and holding my ground and holding my light and saying like, I'm crying, I'm fucking hurting, but I'm still, it's this like beautiful exchange of like, it's just the presence of what's really happening, what's really true, what's really honest and vulnerable and within integrity for that moment. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still figuring it all out, but these are the things that I spend my day thinking about. (laughs) No, I love it because, you know, it's about being real, whatever that means. And so many of us have these feelings or these thoughts, these places that, um, we hold as if we're the only ones who who feel those things or struggle mm-hmm. with those things. And I, I agree. I think that the path, it's not just about the, the love and the light and, right. you know, it, it's, it's about really honoring whatever's actually here. And I was talking about this with a friend yesterday, like all of these uh, murder shows on Netflix they're so popular and we're so fascinated with things like that because I think most of us have completely cut off from our own inner murderer within or inner anger or whatever that thing is that we become so fascinated with like yep. watching But because it. we can keep it separate. We can look at those people and those things that they did, but that's not us and we can sit on our couch and be like, oh, but I'm a good person and I would never do that. And I I have said it's funny because some of the looks that I get from people sometimes too, um, I try not to be abrasive in standing in my truth, but I've found that like 
I just, I spent so many years hiding and not speaking up that now I've kind of gotten to a point where I'm like, I try to think less of what the other person's response is going to be, but also kind of trying to stay soft in that. And there are some people that I've met that I can tell are very just not open to these kinds of conversations or open to any of the shadowy sides or open to these belief systems yet. I mean, they're on their own journey, but I have said in points like we're all just a few bad days away from being in their same shoes. And the looks that I get from people when I say that, it's kind of amusing. It's like, you're insane. Like I would never, I am not like that. I, you couldn't, nothing could happen to me. And I'm like, you're going to sit here and tell me that you're going to watch your whole family get murdered. You're going to have everything taken from you. And you're still going to be sitting on your couch, like golden, or you won't have a couch to sit on. You're going to be sitting on the street, just like meditating. No, you're human. You're going to have a human response. I'm not saying you're going to murder somebody, but like you, if you think of the worst anger you've ever felt in your life and what triggered that and what the extent of the terror that was done to lead you to that point was, and then try to imagine, I mean, I know it's hard to empathize sometimes with something that you don't understand, but it's like you try to think of what it's like to grow up in extreme poverty and to literally watch your friends and family members being murdered around you at all times, to have a system created that's working against you, that's your, your life is threatened. I mean, you're going to go to jail or you're going to get shot or you're not going to have a place to sleep. And then if you're on the street, you're ostracized. You're not looked at as a human. Like these are real things that people are going through every single day. And it's a, constant fear state and a constant it's trauma it's like profound trauma that I can't I can empathize and I can look at and like try to understand but I can't understand like I can only understand the extent of the trauma that I've experienced and that can give me a little opening in like my mirror neurons and my heart space or whatever perspective you want to come from to see what the other person might be feeling but there's no way I could possibly understand that and so I do think it's such an important conversation to have with the the whole everybody's doing the best they can and with the we're all just a few bad days away from being in their shoes because that just brings us all back to the same playing field at the same level of like human, just human. It's like I'm not better than you. I'm not different than you. We're just humans. Yeah. No, I mean, you said that beautifully because no one wants to be a quote unquote murderer or outcast Mm -hmm. or, you know, this, this journey, it's about compassion for those places within first. And then we can actually have more compassion, understanding for Mm -hmm. what has led a person to that place. And, um, I'm hoping that as we collectively go through these shifts and wake up, we start understanding more, how we're creating and why we're creating these things, right? Instead of this, like, like even with school shootings, which I know is like a really tricky topic to talk about, but it's always so easy to look at someone who blew up or did something nightmarish. And I'm not saying it's not, right? Of course, you walk into a school and shoot mm-hmm. children. That's beyond a nightmare. And yet we often look at those situations and go like, like you said, oh, but that would never be me. Or, you know, and the the truth is, is we're all in this together. And some of the people that are exploding are actually some of the most sensitive Mm -hmm. who for years have held on to this rage or whatever. And look, we all want to stop these horrors. It's not to, quote unquote, defend that behavior. But if we really want these things to end, we can't continue to stay steeped in like blame So it's like, oh, that happens. Oh, that person's Mm -hmm. sick. That person's Mm -hmm. a maniac. Well, it's like, yeah, obviously someone's sick to be able to enter a school with a gun and do something like that or whatever. That was just my, you know, that's one of the most horrific Mm -hmm. things, right? Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is until we start really speaking up, um, and that doesn't mean you have to, you know, go on Facebook and share all your vulnerabilities, but until we start really getting honest about what's going on, how we all kind of share these places. I don't think we can move forward to the place of peace that we all want. And peace for me, it's not like 
just humming and sitting on rocks, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. it's claiming that, that quote unquote darker place too, that really just wants to be alive and not feel bad about all the places within, you know, and I think we're still unfortunately in a place where it's like, oh, well, you're allowed to be this, 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 and this, but you better suppress these other places because that's not acceptable. And that will obviously lead to people freaking out. And then also what you were saying too, like some people are really just raised in environments that a lot of us can't imagine where they're basically from when they're born in a state where they have to survive. And, and then we look at them when they end up going to jail, like, oh my gosh, that could never be me. And it's like, you have no idea what that person's been through. Right. So, you know, I just, once again, I love, I love what your podcast is about because until we really honestly look at these places within, we're going to keep perpetuating these cycles. Yeah. And, you know, I also just want to bring up, like, even in a less severe situation of somebody who grew up in poverty and had all those things happen, you know, some some school shooters, for example, have been people that were raised in maybe middle class in white America. And they maybe didn't have those kinds of adversities, but they had bullying and or they had family issues or maybe they just didn't feel seen. Like, I just it's also really difficult to judge what brings a person to the point that they get to because it's so personal and subjective. You know, it's like, like you said, they're just, some people are more sensitive and some people react differently. And again, I'm not saying that like we should condone any of this or that it's like, oh, just give him a pass. He was bullied. You know, that's not at all, at all how it works. But so I have, when I was in college, I was sexually assaulted and when I was in law school, I worked in a summer for a summer in the mental health division of the public defender's office in Dallas. And one of our cases that we took was we were defending a sexual offender and um, or defending. I think I might have said offending. <laughs> um, and I had to really get honest with myself and stop and ask myself if that was a case that I could work on, if I could in my own right conscious sit and defend a man who sexually assaulted another woman, having gone through the same experience as a person who had been sexually assaulted. And I thought it would be a lot harder of a decision to make, but I realized in the moment as we were sitting across from this man and speaking with him, that it wasn't so hard. It was, it was, it just, it just wasn't so black and white and me working with, and I was a student attorney, so I was under another attorney, which also gave me the layer of being able to be an observer instead of having to actually be the one doing all the action. Like I was doing paperwork and like help, like helping the attorney. So it wasn't really me doing it. So that also gave me that extra cushion to just observe and to notice what that experience was like. Um, and as we were interviewing him and like prepping for his case, it just, it's like this, just this human sitting across from me and he has his own wounding and he has his own things that have brought him to this point and he deserves the same justice. And I mean, when you're looking at it from the legal perspective, I always worked on the defense side, which, um, and I always wanted to, because for me, I saw the preservation of the rights in the system that we have as being more important that not more important. I scratch that. I should not say that. But for me, my personal constitution, it was more important for me to be looking after the preservation of rights and the humanness of the humans behind the masks of what they did. And, um, but yeah, I just, I, I just found that was something that was really powerful and really moving for me in my own life because it made me really realize how much I do believe in the humanness of people and that we're all doing the best that we can with what we have when we have it, including the person who raped me. You know, I mean, I can sit here and say that. And I'm not saying, again, I'm mad as hell. Like, I, I get pissed. I, get, I have a lot of my pain that comes from there. I've had a lot of, you know, my own residual issues from it. And I'm not going to deny that that's not something that infuriates me and that it's not acceptable and that it's you know, this misbalance of power and toxic masculinity. And I mean, I could get deep into so many waves about what it is, but 
if we're coming in this, this conversation about the humanness of it, I just don't see myself as separate from that person. And that part isn't hard. I can't tell you that if I were sitting here and looking at that person in the face, I wouldn't want to spit on their face. I don't know. I don't know. I might. <laughs> Very well might. Um, and I, I went through a proceeding myself. Like, I went and did a rape kit. I reported it. It took the detectives seven years to find the dude because they ended up getting a DNA hit on the guy about a month after I graduated law school. And so it was seven years later. I hadn't spoken about it since. It was super. This was one of the big things that I had just pushed away. Didn't even tell boyfriends about it. Didn't tell anybody about it. So it was really my, like, deep wounding that I was, my shadow that I was just pushing away, pushing away. Nope, nope, nope. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So, um, and that, that dialogue that I told you about having that dialogue with myself about like, can I do this? That happened during that period that I was still really repressing it. So maybe that too made it a layer easier. I don't know. I really, who knows? I only know what I actually experienced, but I did have the experience of, you know, end up catching the guy. And then the detectives basically telling me, well, it's your word against his. There's no proof that there wasn't consent. So wow. there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of fucked upness and he's still a human. Do I think he should be held accountable? Yes. Do I also have faith that he will be in some way or another? Because also having worked in the legal system, I see how inadequate it is. And I don't believe that prison is a way to rehabilitate people. Like I have a lot of my own opinions about that. Um, but again, at the same time, I mean, it's a walking contradiction. It's This is like the contrast of life because at the same time I can say all of that, there is part of me that's like, yeah, but that's not fair and I wanted my my chance to say you did this to me and to be able to hold him accountable. So it's, I think this is, this is the human experience. Like this is, there's no black and white or right or wrong. It's just this duality of like who we are in the moment and how we feel and expressing it and sharing it and not always sharing it. Sometimes some things we don't share, some things we keep, you and I've talked about this with, you know, keeping our sacred, sacred container, our sacred space sacred. I share a lot. Like I share what makes a lot of people uncomfortable, how much I share, <laughs> but there's a lot that I don't share too. I have my own little things in my little sacred container that our mind that maybe I've shared with a therapist and a best friend or a few people that I feel safe with and that I trust. Um, I don't think I need to share everything with everybody or some things with some people. I mean, sometimes when people ask me what I do for work, I'm just like, oh, I'm in marketing. Just don't ask me more because I don't feel safe. I don't feel comfortable. Or, you know, that's we all share to whatever level we want to when we can and how we can. But I do think it's important to actually acknowledge it, even if it's only to your best friend or to your therapist or your mom, whoever. <laughs> well, I mean, you said so many amazing things, you know, um, and thank you for sharing that experience with me and, and yeah. the listeners. I'm like, that's, I think this is the first time I've really talked about it that much. <laughs> well, no, I mean, <laughs> it was a, I, mean I appreciate <laughs> it because so many people have been through, mm -hmm. whether it's sexual assault or another kind of horrific assault or trauma, um, you know, what you're, what you brought up is the contradiction of often what we feel where we're like, oh, well, I, on one hand, have compassion because you know, we're all human struggling, but on the other hand, fuck that person. Yeah. They can rot in hell. You know, you know, I also kind of had the, the, in a way I found it a little bit easier to be so at peace. And so just like see the humanness in it because all of the people that loved me were so pissed. I mean, the people, when I called my people and I told them and I started, and most of these people didn't know, actually all of them except for like one didn't know that it had happened. So I was telling them seven years later and I'm like coming out and also saying, and they found this guy and they're, you know, I'm like spewing it all and they were enraged. I mean, they're like, fuck that, you go get that fucker. Like, you know, all rallying behind me. So if I felt so supported and so protected by my people that I was able to just sit there and be like, you know what? No, I choose different. And I mean, maybe I would have chosen different the same, but it, it definitely made it a lot easier that my, I had that expression of rage and I had that love and that rallying around me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's, that's beautiful that in a sense they got to help hold your rage for you with you. Um, but I mean, all of this is so complicated and it's, you said it beautifully. It's not to excuse, um, those behaviors of whether it's sexual assault, murder, you know, there, there are many other things that are, that are awful out here. And yet it's, it's more trying to make sense of it for ourselves and trying to understand like, okay, well, how can we find justice through this and justice in a way that actually, um, makes a difference, you know, not just individually, but together as a community, because we want these things to stop. Um, and I just think, you know, you don't already think you're awesome. I, I think <laughs> you are handling all of it beautifully, um, individually. And then also just your podcast is trying to spread a message that I think is really important. And I, by the way, I should have said this to the listeners too. So Bran is not with me in person right now. Cause I almost always, my podcasts are, um, mm. in person, either in yeah. New Jersey or in the city. So we're doing this over Skype because Brianna, she has, I, I don't, I'm sure I could learn it, but I don't know how to use technology. <laughs> it's really easy. We can talk about this afterwards. Okay. <laughs> Cause it really does free you up. So I just want to say, Brianna, it's, I, I know you're on uh, the West Coast, but where I don't know how much you want to share, but but just to let the listeners know where you live. Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I so, just moved back here this year. I'm from. I was born in Texas, raised in California, moved around a bunch in college, and then moved to New Orleans for law school. So I was there for the past almost four years, and I just moved back to LA this year, and it's definitely an adjustment. <laughs> It's amazing because you're right now missing on a lot of the cold weather. Um, it actually so. just started pouring, which really, like, it, I mean, it's been raining a lot more in California over the past few weeks than it has in years, as far as I know. I mean, I haven't been living here, but I still visit and I'm still pretty connected with it. Um, but yeah, it just started thundering too, which is my heart space. I've always loved thunderstorms since a little girl. My mom and I used to go sit outside during thunderstorms, but in New Orleans, it thundered all the time, all the time. Like it, and that New Orleans was my like healing city. I mean that, oh my God, I have so much to say about this city, but it just brings me to such this like primal, like vulnerable, open, loving, like literally the sound of rain and thunder just like brings me to my softest spot in my being. So I was kind of laughing because it literally started thundering as soon as I started sharing that story. And I was like, oh my God, hold on tight. Here we go. (laughs) There is something about thunderstorms, you know, there's a certain electricity and almost it's interesting because I want to use the word violence, but it's not really there's, there's that electric thing that once again, it's, it's linked to our power. And I think when we often feel disempowered, um, and, and our own inner thunderstorms get suppressed, you know, things feel all off and, and it's, I love that thunderstorms in a sense, bring you peace and calm. It's an interesting thing. Um, and um, and by the way, the the other reason why I brought up the fact that we're doing Skype is because with the, with the, the sound behind, uh, is someone like sawing or something? Yeah. It, so- it well, sounds like I wasn't sure if you could hear it. I was going to say something and then I let it go. Cause I'm like, I think there's a, a dude with a, I don't know what they're doing, honestly. But it's raining, so it must be in someone's house. It must yeah, be it in my be. building. I only brought it up because some of my listeners, because um, I've had to sometimes record in like hallways, yeah. like I, you know, you, I've recorded you get it in a car before. <laughs> yes, exactly. I get but it. I like, but I just wanted to acknowledge it because um, sometimes, then a listener, when I don't acknowledge it, they'll be like annoyed with me. Right, so right. I just wanted to to bring that in. I don't mind stuff like that, but some people have such yeah. sensitive, um, hearing like some, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? That yeah. Yeah. sometimes I have listeners getting annoyed with me about certain, certain places that I didn't even pick up on. And so. the, uh, ex yoga teacher in me, well, still, I just don't actively teach. It's always will be a yoga teacher. So the yoga teacher in me wants to say to the listeners who get disturbed by the background sound, that that is your cue of the disturbance within yourself. Pay attention to it. 
Because when I hear stuff like that, it's at this point, and it used to drive me crazy. So when I first started yoga, it's like when the sirens go off, you're like, oh my God, I was about to do Savasana and I was so peaceful. You're fucking with me. And it's like, you throw something across the room. Yeah, like, what are you? What are? And so it's, it's always that indicator of your own internal disturbance that's coming up when you're able to just sit there and you maybe hear it to the point that you acknowledge it, but also when you get to the point where you don't even feel the need to acknowledge it, it's just like, oh, there's a saw. There's a. Well, noises happen, right? I mean, that's in my podcast. I don't edit them out. I know a lot of people, and I like when I first started my podcast, I had a few and um, like mentors that were helping me like make sure it's really good quality, make sure you really edit out all these things. And I was like, like make sure you plan your interviews, all of these tips that I loved the idea of, but I just threw out because I was like, you know what? It's just going to be real. And for me, that means sometimes the audio quality cuts out, and I do cut it out. Like I do edit it if it's like obnoxious or it's it really disturbs it. But I'm like, if a dog barks or the phone rings or something happens I'm just like that's I mean that's real life that's what we're happening that's what we're doing here noises happen noises it, it, happen you know what I mean and look once again if there was something crazy happening yeah. obviously yeah. you know but but it's interesting that that came in in a sense because I think it's what you said when we create this really delicate fragile reality where sounds can't even happen. Everything's supposed to be perfect. <laughs> Keep it. Yeah. It needs to be good and only good and perfect all the time, which and honestly used to be me. I was just like curating my little apartment. Like I had my, I went to school, I got my grades, I went to work, I yeah. got my paycheck, anything or anybody disturbed my peace. I'm like, oh, you must be not belonging yeah. here. And now when it happens, yeah. I'm just like, okay, what is this saying about me? <laughs> well, there's this beautiful meditation that my school has taught me, which I think I talked to you about last mm-hmm. time, where it's the it meditation is. of including. And one of the first things you include are any noises you hear. Um, and just that part of the meditation can really change your whole life because we don't realize how often we're, how much energy we're putting into resisting just even noises that may or may not annoy us, but we don't even allow it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and often because we're essentially in a hologram, these noises are giving us, are giving us lots of information about our own system. And, and I find it fascinating. Like I said, the only reason why I brought it up is because I was already picturing, um, some of my listeners being like, just so you know, I heard a, did it, you know, so this was my way. I think it's also nice. Um, and I've learned this through the podcast I think it's nice to at least, um, what would I, how would I say it to, to say it, like to, to call, to say it, but yeah. sometimes I wouldn't even acknowledge it. And then mm-hmm. that's when they would get, well, I was gonna say, uh, when you going. acknowledge it, I mean, even that's why I said like the yoga teacher me, because that's the place I used it a much. I mean, teaching yoga in Los Angeles or in Orange County, or I'm sure New York, if you've ever taken a class in New York, it's like, there's wow. constantly noise happening. And so the teacher will just say like, okay, like if it happens during Sabasana, hear the fire truck and let it go. Or maybe they'll just say like, just notice it's there. Yeah. You know, or maybe they don't acknowledge it. I don't know. I've had more, more of my teachers than not will acknowledge it, but in a way that's more about like acknowledge it and then let it be. No, exactly. And, and the other thing too, that I've had to realize through podcasts is, so they're just hearing our voices, but I'm fully immersed in it. Like I right now get to see Brianna's beautiful face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's in a sense, a whole other, there are more elements, sensory yeah. elements that are happening for us right now that, um, not everyone gets to experience. I used to also have, um, I used to film it too and upload it on a YouTube page cause it becomes a whole other, it's almost yeah. like a TV show when you yeah. bring that in. I've stopped that for now, but, um, yeah, you know. I tried to do that and the technology, like just all of the different arrangement, it made it so much harder to just do the work that I was doing that I was like, you know what, I will get to a point once I do that, probably when I have a, like a bigger team helping me out. But right now, while I'm still small, yeah. it's just so much extra work and so much extra like things you have to think about and monitor and there's the sound and then there's the video and there's all these things that I just was like, you know, let's just keep it pure and start with this, let's get this first layer down really well, and then maybe add in another layer. (laughs) I think that's, I think that's part of the path, right? Is like only taking on as much as you can really 
too, too, because yeah. I had those same thoughts where it's like I would love to be able to do the the visuals too, but mm-hmm. like until I have more of of a team, there's only so much energy we have, um, and um, no, I just I just love how much you you're honest, and I think you know with all of this stuff, and I think honesty is where we're all trying to get because until we really put out there and know that our honesty deserves to be heard and seen, but not honesty in a way where you have to like over right, uh, right. divulge information that you want to hold. Honesty doesn't mean sharing so. everything. I mean, yes. there I, I like I've been radical honesty and vulnerability is cliche as vulnerability has become as we discussed earlier, <laughs> but still yeah. radical honesty and vulnerability are like two of yes. my biggest, um, values I guess and Mm -hmm. at the same time I mean there are times that I don't say things because they just won't go and maybe it's my projection and my perception of the situation but I'm like it's not going to do anything to help this situation or it's not going to be received or if I don't feel safe you know I've had people even some of my closest relationships that stopped feeling as safe as they once felt like once there was a time we shared everything but now it's to a point where I'm like I what I've been sharing with you isn't being as received and I just don't feel safe. Like I don't feel seen and I don't want to expose my underbelly to somebody with a weapon. And I mean, that's a really like drastic metaphor, but when it's, especially when it's someone so close to you, um, they really have that power because you love them and you're open to them to really wound you and not that they would do it with intention, but it's, you know, if they're not receiving it and you're not, I mean, it's this constant dance and balance. And I still have therapists that I work with and I've done a lot of, a lot of trauma work and a lot of, um, healing work and energy work and all of the, like, so multimodal at this point. Um, but I still have my primary therapist who was my starting point and my like angel goddess, but she is a PhD in trauma. And so she, we did all of the like, but she does holistic work. So we, it was like a whole spiritual, mental, emotional, it wasn't just like cognitive behavioral therapy. It was all of the modalities. Um, and I still regularly speak with her. She's in new Orleans and we always touch base because I do, I get off, I get off track or I forget things or I like think I got it. And then we talk and she's like, but do you feel safe? And I'm like, Oh God, no. <laughs> Cause for me, safety, safety is another big thing too. It's like as much, yeah, as much as I want to be vulnerable and share and that may sound like a contradiction because I share so much, but like sharing on the internet is the internet, you know, like I can put it all out there. That's in my control. I control what I say, how I say it, when I say it, people can take it however they want. They can do whatever they want with it, but it's still like, like that's, you know, maybe that's not safe in some ways, but I still feel fine. It's like the Mm. things that are my deep inner processing or like soft spots or, um, still really activated pain points. Like I'm not going to share, I wouldn't have shared that the rape story with you a year ago. Cause it was such an active pain point. Um, yeah. because it was only about a year and a half ago that the detectives had called me with the DNA hit. So it took me a good year from that to start feeling comfortable. It's only been the past few months that I've started talking about that. And that wow. happened almost eight years ago. So, or more than eight years ago, I was almost 21 and I'm about to turn 30. So it was like nine years ago. So, I mean, we all have our own processes and I just think it's really important to be honest and vulnerable, but to understand why you're doing it and with whom you're doing it. You know, if you don't feel safe enough to tell your best friend about it, don't go making an Instagram post about it. I mean, (laughs) some people do though. And then they get all, you know, it's like, it, it becomes crazy making. Yeah. And, and I love, once again, I think vulnerability can be about you hearing yourself for the first time mm-hmm. and vulnerability can be saying it could be yourself a really young place in yourself or older saying you're not ready to share this that can be part of vulnerability is hearing the places that say no no no, this needs to be um, our noise guy is coming back oh really and now they're just fucking with us <laughs> i don't know if you can hear it but i'm like it's coming back i can't hear that one okay for some reason. okay well then good you know? i shouldn't have even said it see look at me go <laughs> well and, and the thing is is i'm not particular i mean who knows because the more healing work i do in a year i could be like i'm so sensitive to noises you know yeah. um but i'm not someone who particularly gets 
upset about those background things, but I do. And it's not to make fun of the listeners that do at all because I've appreciated and tried to listen to them. You know, they're my listeners. They're my, they have my back, but, Mm -hmm. um, some people just are way more sensitive, um, in that sensory place. Totally. totally. So it was just me trying to be like, I had those people. I hear you. I see you. I love that. It was like, I get it. I'm with you. That's important. Um, Now I have some topics I've written down. Okay that I would love to discuss with you and just get your opinion on. Okay. So the oh, God. is going to be, yeah. And, and once again, as much as you want to say or whatever, but I also had to say, I also had to um, fix, correct something. Cause last week we talked about how there was a new abortion bill passed in New York mm-hmm. where women could get abortion up to birth. Um, my brother actually corrected me and he said, only if the mother's health is in danger, is it up mm-hmm. to birth? Cause I was saying, and I'm, I'm pro choice, but I was saying that to me felt not great being able to have abortion up to then. And he was saying, no, 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 it's only if the the mother's health or yeah, woman's health is in danger. So I just wanted to make that correction. Cause I did not realize mm-hmm. that. So if you want to say anything on that topic, I know not everyone wants to talk about abortion because it can get very triggering. Girl, I went to law school. We spent months talking about abortion. (laughs) (laughs) And like, also, you know, the funny thing too, is we talked earlier about how I realized that the law was not where I wanted to be, but it was the path. I think, or I know a huge part of it being the path was just constant immersion in contrast and contradiction and arguing and learning how to argue from an intelligent place and a not detached or removed, but just from a different, um, I don't even know how to describe it. I get um, it. So yeah, they, a lot of these topics don't, yeah, they just don't trigger me in the same way. I worry about triggering other people more than I worry about triggering me. I'm like, bring it on. <laughs> I've worked with death row inmates, like people literally about to die from the crimes that they've committed. Like it's, yeah, you, you ain't going to bother me. Um, yeah, I mean, abortion is just a tricky one, though, in general, because everybody has so many fueled and charged beliefs about it from so many different ideologies and so many different, like, backgrounds. And so yeah. one thing I have to say from the start is there's a lot of irony with all of the, like, complete anti-abortion and all of the um, anti like use of stem cell, any kind of fetal, anything. Um, because from my understanding, and I could be incorrect in this, but birth control was made out of using placenta, like tissue from placenta. Somebody hmm. told me this recently, and I'm like, I haven't done the actual research, so I might be messing up. Maybe I shouldn't even say I, that. I didn't know that. I, I'm not saying I disagree. I, yeah, I, I'm like, I'm like, part of me, okay, I think I need to Google this because I'm like, I, some, this is a big one that somebody said to me and I was yeah. like, hmm. Well, I, I hmm. already love what you're saying in the sense of, because you and I aren't here to come with a, as if there is one, an exact right. answer or conclusion. What you're saying, I think is even more important of there. It's, it's obviously a very sensitive topic and people fall all over on the spectrum. I think the more we can communicate from a place of, not this fiery oh, rate. Okay, I remembered what it is, though. I was trying to look up birth control pills and placenta. I was like, no, that's not it. It's in in vaccines, which is a whole other... Uh, we could just go crazy trail right now, which we're not even going to go there. But there, there's placental material in vac- oh, vaccinations. Oh. And that's part of what I was having this long... I got in the rabbit hole with somebody because I personally am just really not that educated about them. I don't have kids. I haven't had to... Or, and it's just not been an interest point for me to really do the deep research on that. Um, but yeah, somebody who was explaining to me that he's like, I don't think vaccines are wrong. I don't think they're bad at all. He's like, in Europe, they have these really clean, just pure vaccination of what the actual vaccination mm. drug is. The issue is in the States with the regulations that we have, that there are things like, you know, the mercury and all of the other additives to it, including also placenta. Some Somehow the placenta was put in. Again, I have not researched this. Do not quote me on it. I would never <laughs> use this argument in law school because I would get nailed for not knowing every detail about what I'm talking about because I'm just, I'm just spitting off free flow here. But my exactly what you just said, point being, there's just so many contradictions and so many things that we don't maybe understand. Um, 
and with with the every state has different abortion laws i mean they vary so drastically but i do think it's so it's so hard it's so hard to say i know my own personal beliefs but it's just yeah i don't even know that they're right they're just mine but i think the more we can all get to that place of like this is how i feel without trying to throw it onto everyone else because right. we're trying to figure out a, a, a way as best as possible to do the quote unquote moral thing. Right. Now, obviously not everyone's going to agree because morality, once again, there's it's a, a spectrum there. Yeah. But for me, and I kind of said this last week when I also misunderstood that other New York bill, um, I would love as much as possible for the babies to live and be born. Mm-hmm. But I also don't necessarily think that the moment after contraception or no, no conception, not contraception, the moment after conception that it's now a baby, like, you know, there it's this being that grows into a baby. So I am, but you know, and the thing is, even if it is, even if it is, and this is what makes it so difficult is you're fighting for two different lives. It's not like one life versus the other. And obviously maybe the mom's life isn't at stake. It's, it's, probably easier in the case when a mom's life is at stake but maybe even not maybe even not this is like deep in the weeds of ethics but yeah. it's it's two lives you know it's the mom her life her choices her body her rights and this baby whether or not it's actually a living baby or it's just a, se- a segment of cells or whatever I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you want to get like way up high above it and not look at it from a human perspective at all, maybe the mother's choice to have an abortion looks like a choice on earth, but maybe that was something that needed to happen. Maybe that life was not meant to be born yet. Like maybe if you want to get metaphysical about it, it's like maybe that being was not supposed to be in creation or maybe that's that, that's that baby's karma is like, getting rejected before it's even born and having to come and do a rebirth. Like, I mean, you could get all, you could yeah. argue all day from every perspective and I don't know the answer. <laughs> I don't know what I would do if, you know, in that's, that's not my yeah. wheelhouse. That's for sure. Cause I like, I yeah. like the gray areas. I don't like yeah. knowing the answers cause I just don't. <laughs> It's too overwhelming to know things. But that's such a beautiful place. And I think the more we can even state, like, this is how I feel, but I don't really know, you know, because that's more, I think, truthful. I think, um, and like I said last time, I I personally don't like late-term abortions. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if the baby could be born and have a healthy life at that point, and it's not endangering the mother's life, like I personally would prefer, but I can't even put that on someone. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's such a gray area and I didn't bring it up to have us try to like land yeah. somewhere. It was more because like I said, I was, um, I was, uh, told that I didn't have it right mm-hmm. last time. So I just wanted it's to also crazy to me that, that this is such an issue that so many people are so opinionated and fighting over before this life comes into the earth. Whereas mm-hmm. once the life is in the earth, there are people getting murdered. There's this gun violence. There's the prison system, which I have worked in and y'all, it is uglier than it looks like on television. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, and these people being put away for crimes that they probably committed. They, they, a lot of them did commit. Some of them didn't commit. And yeah. then being treated so locked away in cages and treated so unjustly and their lives are completely destroyed. And so yeah. it's like, we, we have this huge emphasis on, because it's this, I'm doing the air quotes, moral issue that people are, you know, Oh, save a lot. Like you can't control. I don't know. I won't go there, but it's just such this like high moral point that people get like emotionally involved in it. Yeah. Whereas it's like, there are a lot of real pressing issues that could have a resolution, that we could yeah. implement change into the prison systems, implement change into our medical system, implement change into how yes. we treat people with mental, mental disabilities. There's so many living issues that could use all of yeah. this time and money and energy and effort that's going into these abortion issues. And I think that's why for me, it's just not even my thing because I'm kind of like, yeah. I do think it's important somebody needs to, or, you know, it's, it's going to be addressed by somebody, but I'm like, 
that there's kids getting killed, you know, parents that are overwhelmed and losing their shit and killing their kids. Like there's a lot of living issues that are present and tangible and manageable if we approached them. But it's just no, not bring up a great emotionally point. fueled in the same way for people. Yes. In the sense of it's like, um, here we're talking about this thing pre-life. And it's like there's so many humans walking the earth not being treated properly. Mm-hmm. So it's like there are people fighting pro-life to have these children born. And yet we're not, you know, that we're throwing people in jail. Mm -hmm. People are dying, not having, um, healthcare. So you bring up a great point where it's like, you know, and it's not to say, look, abortion's clearly an issue that's going to continue to get talked about. Not, neither one of us saying like, drop that. It's not important, but there are tons of people who are alive that are not getting the services or the care that they need. So, you know, putting some energy, like you said, I've been, very passionate about the prison system for a while as well, because it's like, it's almost like where we hide or bury, um, our, our shame in these people. Like we want to be like, Oh, well we don't, we want to pretend that that doesn't even exist. So just put them in prison and then we'll just keep living this life as if there aren't people locked away that we're so connected to. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I love, I love what you're saying. And I think, yes, it's like, let's put some of that energy into humans that are fully formed right now not having, um, so many of their needs met, um, that would be a good, a good place to put some of this energy. Mm -hmm. So thank you for redirecting it. (laughs) Something we can really do for people. But this is also exactly why I'm not working in the legal system because these are the kinds of responses I had. So you sit in a law school class and they give you these questions and then they give you kind of, okay, now one person argue one side and the other person, or like bring up the different issues with it. And I'm sitting there like, who fucking cares? Like this, why is this even the issue we're talking about? We don't need to talk about this issue. There's other issues we need to talk about. And they're like, that's not the question. Like, that's not what we're doing here. You need to do like answer the question. And I'm like, but it's a stupid question. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) So I I mean, (laughs) and yet you're, and yet in my, but I I did it. I did it. I showed up. Yeah. Yeah, I showed up. I did it. I learned. I participated and it changed the way I thought it changed the way I viewed the world. It was immensely valuable. So not knocking it by any regards. It's just not for me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I obviously love your approach to those things. It seems (laughs) a lot more in that gray spectrum where Mm -hmm. in reality, most of these things are, um, and then before we before we end the podcast, did you see this is like a random side track thing, but did you see the uh Bradley Cooper Lady Gaga performance of Shallow at Enigma? Uh, oh my gosh, wait. So I watched I just watched A Star is Born. I know I'm so behind. So I'm always very out of touch with pop culture, with I just have never really been interested. I'm I've always been interested. Like I was reading in high school, like Helter Skelter and Sylvia Plath and like I definitely got into Harry Potter I've always been into like witchy stuff yeah. but I just like TV movies I don't have a television I watch Netflix I'm not saying I don't participate I'm just saying like it's just not my thing so I never know what's going on and I literally just watched The Star Is Born because my grandma was at my grandma's house this weekend and she was like oh the um so the Academy Awards the Oscars the Oscars are around the corner and she's like I want to start watching the Oscar movies. And she's like so excited about it. So I was like, oh, this is cute. This is something we could do together. Let's watch the different Oscar movies so we can like see and then watch the awards together. Like we've been trying to do more things like that together that she likes to do. And I had no idea what it was about. I just heard people talking about it. So I was like, I'd heard about it and I'd seen their picture together, but I had no clue. I couldn't sleep that night. I sobbed. I was like shook. I couldn't sleep. I woke up the next, I finally fell asleep at like three in the morning. I woke up at like seven crying like Bradley (laughs) or Matt. Matt, wait, Matt was his name, right? Yeah, I think so. No. I actually forget his name now. I forget. It was just Bradley, Bradley Cooper. But yeah, and I just, there was so much, I had so much personal stuff come up from that. And also I've always attracted tortured souls in men so I had a lot of my own wounding and like guys that I've dated and oh gosh there was so much that came up in that that was like 
but also just it was so beautifully done and so oh I'm totally going on they a were tangent incredible. I literally like I've already watched it again and yes I saw that video and I sobbed and are they twin flames oh I thought of you I was gonna ask you I meant to, <laughs> I meant to message you and ask you and I kept forgetting are they twin flames Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'll say in my mind, right? A hundred percent. I actually thought about, I kept thinking about messaging you and then like at random times in the grocery store when I wouldn't and I kept forgetting. So thank you for bringing that up because I really wanted to ask you if they were twin flames. Well, I had a bunch of my listeners because I did like a whole podcast called A Star is Born because I saw that movie and I also was like at the end traumatized, not to give away the ending, but like I was like a wreck and I loved the Enigma performance where she calls him up. He, he comes to support her. She surprises him, pulls him up on stage and they sing it. And it was almost like the real ending to a star is born in a sense. Uh. Like it somehow healed that trauma that we all felt watching that movie. Oh wait, that just gave me chills. Oh, right. It was like, Oh, and I, and, and I saw other people comment it. Cause I've watched it a million times, like on YouTube and everything. And some people were like, this is how it really ended. Like, this is my ending to it. Like, but yes, I do think that they're twin flames. I think the chemistry is insane. I think the way they look at each other and, and some people are like, well, Oh, so that's I, how I like, realized. Real. So I didn't see the, the, thing on I saw it on YouTube because I kept seeing people on Instagram posting like snapshots of like his hand on her back or like her hand like just like these little memes and I was like oh my god what is this I need to watch it right now it was like the next day or like maybe two days after I'd watched the movie and I was like where is this and then I found it and I was like ah (laughs) I mean I was every time I watched their performance um I'm going to watch it again when we finish this. (laughs) I ball. I can feel their, yeah, no, I I will too. It's, it's, it's unreal to watch their chemistry and, and I can feel their pain too, because they're both with other people and there's so much, uh, you know, that's, some people get triggered when I talk about twin flames, so I won't go full, full, plus we have to wrap up, but man, what an emotional a beautiful performance. And, um, yeah, like I said, those of us who really felt that ending in a star is born and it's, I felt like, no, that's, that's the real ending. And here we are in this life, like, and maybe may, you know, I get all, but I'm like, maybe Mm -hmm. that storyline from the movie is like a past parallel life that they did live where it ended that way. Mm -hmm. And now here we are getting to like all heal and have, different endings in a sense like we're oh, I love that that's right it's like full interpretation of all of that that's so beautiful thanks. well it's like right we 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 constantly get yeah. resurrected and we yeah. no matter how many times we live or die whether it's this particular life or our past lives like we always can have second chances fourth chances a million chances mm-hmm. to to quote unquote have the ending whatever ending really means that we we truly ache for and I hope somehow that Lady Gaga or as Bradley calls Wait, her so like Bradley Cooper also looks a lot like and his character in that movie looks a lot like one of my big biggest heartbreaks my like one of my ex-boyfriends like his character so there's so many parallels too this is why I'm like I was personally drawn in but it was like really personally in a lot of ways but yeah now I'm like I'm actually gonna go watch that after this and probably cry my eyes out and also uh, imagine like, a different ending with my heartbreak and wish him well because and, and how those moments, right? <laughs> yes. And, and how beautiful that in the movie, you know, he calls her up on stage, right? He's the mm-hmm. rock star and she comes in and then it's like this reversal too. And here we have the divine feminine coming in and here we have this strong goddess of a woman pulling him and first of all it's not like he's not he's already famous and very well known but right, it was a right. whole element he's never he also looked uncomfortable like he looked like he was like nervous you know he was like he was I wasn't oh like he definitely was the vulnerable one in that so it was a totally different dynamic oh uh, I, I mean they're both just such sensitive artists who get each other and mm. Mm-hmm. I try not to get too invested anymore into these twin flame couples. I don't know, but <laughs> you're so funny. Hard. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, thank you so much for coming on and podcasting with me. Again, we did yours, but um, it, it means a lot to me. I love thank getting to you. have these conversations with you. Me too. This was amazing. I loved it. It was fun. Yes. And where can people find you and your podcast and all of it? My podcast is anywhere you find podcasts, and it's Shadow Light, one word, Shadow Light, but all one word. That seems to really confuse people. <laughs> Everyone wants to separate it. I'm like, no, it's one thing. One um, word, everyone. One word. And then on Instagram, it's at Brianna saying things, B-R-Y-A-N-N-A, saying things, because that's usually all I'm doing is just saying things. <laughs> <laughs> so follow her there. And then let's see, for me, um, I have, I'm offering Miss Wolf's art class in my home in Isla, New Jersey, is February 23rd from 10 to 3, tickets on Eventbrite. And then that night, after that, I'm shooting down to Philly. And I'm uh, headlining at, I think it's Dino's or Dino's. I'm saying Dino's backstage. It's going to be a really awesome kind of intimate comedy show. It's like only, I think about 50 people, but it's like the decor is very like Marilyn Monroe-ish. Like I'm, I've never been there. I've just seen pictures. So that's at night. I'm very excited. Shane, my son, may or may not be there. Oh, my God. We'll say. Um, and then what else? Oh. I wish, see, I wish you could come to Comedy Seance. It's with um, Allison Charles and Jess Oh, Rippo. my favorite. No, I wish. Well, w- one day we'll all get to hang in person. But it that's will. My little brother and my best friend both live in New York. So I actually am out there like two or three times a year. So we'll make okay, it happen. Okay, so you need to let me know when you're coming in yeah. so we can have this hang. But but anyway, that's April 7th, New York Comedy Club's 4th Street location. Promo Seance for $10 tickets. And I'm trying to think. For a healing tarot card reading, kwolf27 at gmail.com. And Brianna, thank you so much again for coming on and recording it for me. Thank you. No problem. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.